Jai, I'm one of the pastors at Sorrow Bible Church, uh, Yarrawarra here, and we we're having fun. We're doing all sorts of stuff, and I'm loving seeing what people are getting up to uh, on Facebook. They're getting out and about and doing some fun things. And I thought we would get uh, Nikki and Luca, and uh, we're going to get them coming up on the screen here. Nikki's going to pray for us in a moment, but I thought it'd be good to have a chat with these guys because I am always looking forward each morning to what is going on <laughs> in the cousin household. Yes. Because there's always something new. Uh, that is true. That is true. It is true. So just to, to be clear, this is Nikki and Luca. Say hi. 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 Now, uh, we're in school holidays. So, Luca, how is it, school holidays? you going anywhere? No, pretty much sitting down, doing schoolwork on a computer 24-7. Even in holidays? No, not great. Yeah. You haven't even like go gone on a holiday to the pool or something like that, which is just out your back door? No. 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 But I feel like unless you're doing two-unit video games, there is also some non-school entertainment. Well, that happens first up in the morning too, doesn't it? A bit of non-school entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nikki, you, uh, before we, all, all this happened, you were hitting the gym and getting fit and then you couldn't. And so you've been getting out and about on a walk each morning and you've been dragging the kids along. Yeah. Luca, Luca seems to feature quite heavily. I'm guessing, Luca, you're the favourite child at the moment. Yeah, it's true. Um, He's my photographer, yes. Now, you, you've, uh, you've started... You started a new craze a couple of weeks ago on Fridays. Do you want to explain what that is? Uh, yeah, so um, when everything kind of uh, shut down, we couldn't do gyms and stuff. So every morning we go up to the Oval and walk around and it gets really boring. So I um, invented a new sport called dance walking which is where you just walk and dance at the same time. And I do it every day and I film it every day. But on Fridays, I do a special um, costumed version. Get dressed. Oh, no, we're kind of losing you a little bit. Oh. Sorry. So you, you're doing a bit of a costume, get dressed up type thing? Yes. So yes. what? What was what was the what was the so dress? last week was Madonna, yeah, and then this week was um, I dressed up like a bumblebee. <laughs> do why wouldn't you do that? Um, and Luca, we uh, we don't get to see you dress up. Uh, is that because you're no. you're the cameraman? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why. Right, yeah, no other reason, no other reason. No, 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 no other you reason at all. Um, I just imagine that you're dressed up no. behind the camera. That's that's uh, oh, yeah. you're not dressed up. But anyway, I spent two hours making a cost costume for a thirty second video, and I don't regret any of that time spent. Look, look at how's it go being the uh, the cameraman out in public, videoing your mum doing these outrageous things. Uh, seeing the uh, some people who walk past faces is is quite amusing. I will say <laughs> the, the surprised, surprised look. 
Fantastic. To be fair, he's had 17 years of getting used to that. This is just yet another chapter in the crazy cousin's life. True, true. Um, well, we look forward to, to uh, Facebook and Instagram and catching up with what crazy stuff's happening. Uh, but what, what, what's, something, what's, some, what's something fun or exciting or good that's happened to uh, each of you this week? Um, uh, so for me, it's actually been doing that silly video um, and, and oh, no. messages from people being like, that really cheered me up and that's, you know, and, and so, yeah, I think that's something that um, has given, like, you know, I'll, I'll always be silly. That's just who I am. But the fact that it's making other people um, smile a bit, yeah, that's something that's made me feel good this week. Awesome. What um, about you, Luca? Probably for me, yeah, probably for me, getting up every morning and doing fitness is kind of fun and um, a nice way to start the morning. Yeah, I enjoy. I enjoy that. There, there you go. This well, this is recorded, so uh, so we have that on record now. Um, now, if uh, true, if if you guys were going to interview each other, what would be one question that you would ask the other person? Okay, so this was harder. It seems like a simple question, but it was harder than you would think because. Again, not shocking to know, we talk about everything in this house. But my question to Luca would be, as an intelligent 17-year-old boy, why can't you do the pivot from the sink to the dishwasher with your plates? It's just a, it's like a, it's a movement, it's a pivot. That's, that would be my question to you. I feel like that's a burning question for most parents actually at the moment. Luca, do you do you have any yeah. anything to any light to shed on this? Um, for me, uh, it's more a personal gripe I've had for a few years that um, uh, my mother never actually turned up to my um, year six formal, um, and I had to do the um, end of year dance with my year six teacher. Um, I'm not even kidding, but yeah, I was devastated. I was, I, I was livid. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In my defence, I didn't know that there was a parent dance at the end of the year six formal, and I also had tickets to see the Whitlams. So even if I did know, I would have sent at least a stand-in in, um, but I would not have been able to attend. <laughs> Because actually, you know what, Luca? I've you got were to, there all the time. I've got, I've got to give you that, Luca. I think that's fair. I think that's totally <laughs> fair. I reckon that's 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 fair enough. You can you can you dine out on that for a while. We were coming up with questions. It's it's so scarring that he didn't remember it, and I had to remind him. So like. <laughs> You'll be in therapy for a lot of things, but not that. All right, Luca. Well, let's move on. What's your, what would be your question, Luca? Oh yeah, another one would be um, that uh, my my mom has never got over the fact that um, uh, I didn't get prefect at school, and I'm like, to, I would ask her, "When are you going to get over that?" I think would be my yeah. My, uh, and the yeah. answer is, when am I going to get over the fact she never got prefect? Yeah. Never. It's true. Yeah. It'll be... Okay. Great questions. Thanks, yeah. guys. <laughs> I will. I will. You're a very good boy. A very good boy. 
That's all very good. Um, it's, it's never a dull moment with you guys, so that's awesome. Um, it's gonna, <laughs> um, I was going to ask Cuz to be in on this, but uh, that you, uh, Nikki, said that that might not be the best of ideas, but this has worked out well. Well, you know what happens yep. when you interview Cuz. Yeah, we, we're not, we won't talk about that again. Um, how about... Okay. Uh, how about uh, you've you've frozen a bit there, but that's okay because it looks like you're enjoying yourself and happy. Um, do you want to uh, do you want to do you want to pray for us? Yep, I will. All right, awesome. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to meet this morning. At this time, after those who are sick and suffering at the moment. Lord, we ask that you would give them strength to work and peace to rest. We ask that they would know your love and care as they care for others. Lord, we pray thanks for your creation. In this time of uncertainty and fear, we can look at your creation and know that you are God. You are a God who provides for us. Help us Lord in this time of fear and uncertainty to look to speak to you in prayer and to learn from your word the Bible Lord we pray for those who we know and who are unknown to us who are lonely and vulnerable at this time we ask that they would know your comfort and peace help us Lord to provide fellowship and in, in new and innovative ways during this time of social isolation Lord, please be with the doctors and scientists who are looking for ways to treat and cure COVID-19. Guide them. Keep them focused, Lord, so that their work can be completed thoroughly and quickly. And finally, Lord, we pray for Jesus, who changes everything, for his teaching, for his living example on how to live a perfect life, and most of all, for his death on the cross through which we can bring these requests to you this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nikki. Keep uh, keep the good times rolling. Looking forward to the next dress up. Yes, we will. Yep. All right. Thanks, Nikki. See ya. It's always, it's always a bit of fun uh, getting to, to know people and, and find out what people are up to, even though we can't uh, be there face to face. It's good to do things like this and it's fantastic. And one of the things we love to do at Sorrow one of the most important things we do at Sorrow Church is read from God's Word. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 to 10. And then Stu is going to share with us from Ephesians and encourage us as we contemplate and think through how Jesus, uh, after last weekend, after Easter, that Jesus is risen and that we too are risen with him. So let's, let's have a read of Ephesians 2 together. It'll also be on the screen here. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the, kingdom, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is, a, it is the gift of God. Not by work, work so that man can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And we're going to hear from Stu now. G'day everyone, my name's Stuart and I'm going to pray for us now. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that as we open your word that you give us clear thinking and give us ears to hear and eyes to see the truth of your gospel. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, like I said, my name's Stuart, and when I was a young kid and I was growing up, I grew up in the southern part of Sydney, in the Sutherland Shire, as many of uh, us who are probably watching along tonight uh, probably did grow up in the Sutherland Shire. But I, I suppose for those of us that didn't grow up in the Sutherland Shire, i uh, give you a bit of an idea of what it looks like around here. Basically, um, in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney South, it's always been a little bit quieter than the rest of the city. It's a little bit further away. Uh, it's uh, on the edge, where I grew up was on the edge of a river, uh, the Hacking River, and not far away were the beaches, uh, Cronulla beaches, which you may or may not have heard about. But living uh, on the bush, as I did uh, in the Australian bush, was a really great experience growing up as a kid. My brother and I and the kids on the street used to spend heaps of hours in the bush down the back of my place, and we used to explore and find all sorts of stuff. We used to try and look for lizards and all sorts of things. But one of the favourite things I used to look for as a kid growing up in the Sutherland Shire was cicada shells. Now, I don't know if you know what a cicada is. It's kind of, I've been thinking how do I describe a cicada. For those of you who live in Sydney, you'll know what a cicada is. But if you don't live in Sydney, it's kind of like a big cockroach with wings. Now, that doesn't sound very appealing, but to a little kid, a cicada was a thing of fascination. For me, a cicada was exciting and we used to try and collect the cicada wings. Now, when I was really little, I didn't know where the cicada wings came from, but someone spread a rumor around our, our um, street that the local chemists would buy the cicada wings that we found for five cents each and they'll give us five cents per wing because apparently there was some healing power in cicada wings. So there was this rumor spreading across the street that these cicada wings were valuable. So as kids, Growing up in the bush, we'd explore the bush floor, the, the woods, the forest floor, whatever you want to call it, looking for these cicada wings. And when you find a cicada wing, I had this little envelope and I'd put the cicada wings in an envelope. Now, if I was really lucky, not only would I find a cicada wing, but I also might find a cicada shell. Now, as a little kid, I didn't know where these shells came from, but they were in the shape of an animal that looked like it was alive, but it was actually just a husk of the cicada because what a cicada does is, which I found out later, is a cicada lives something like seven years of its life underground. And it lives underground in the roots of the trees and it drinks the, the sap out of the roots of the trees. And then after about seven years of living underground, this insect crawls a meter up onto the side of a tree, attaches itself to a tree, and then sheds its skin that it had underneath the ground, its husk or whatever, I don't know the technical term, and then it will fly away. But as a really little boy, the only experiences of cicadas that I had was the actual wings that I was collecting off dead cicadas 
and these shells. And there were thousands of these shells, literally almost every gum tree at summertime would have a cicada shell on them and we'd gently pry them off the side of the bark and I'd take them home. And I had a little collection of cicada shells next to my bed that I'd hang on the wallpaper next to my bed because they had little, little hooks on their feet and I could hang them on the wall. So I had these cicada shells. Now I used to love my cicada shells. But one year, one summer, when I was a little bit older, the best thing that could have ever happened happened. Honestly, the greatest event of my life to that stage was there was a cicada plague. The cicada plague was so great that there were thousands of these cicadas all over the place. And as I got older, I'd started to become more aware of where these wings and these shells had come from, that they actually came from these flying insects. It looked like little flying cockroaches. And they were flying everywhere. They're also, another way of thinking of them is they look like giant flies. That's what they kind of look like. And these cicadas were everywhere. And I'd go to the side of a tree and there were living cicadas all on the side of the tree. And I ran home and I got a bucket and I filled a bucket like a normal size bucket full of cicadas, living cicadas. And I brought them home and I put them in my bedroom. And my bedroom was full of these live cicadas and I was happy as Larry. I don't know how old I was, but this was the best thing that I could have ever imagined. And then my mum came into my room and she completely freaked out because these things were not only singing and flying around my room, they were also weeing everywhere. Because if you know cicadas, they're good at weeing. Well, the, the difference between the cicada shell and the cicada for me was just such an incredible thing. I found it so exciting to actually have these live cicadas in my room instead of just the shells. And the reason I tell this story today is because this is, I think, what Paul's trying to hint at, that when we are people without Christ, though we are looking for enjoyment and joy in this life, we can find all sorts of happiness. And even though it can be transitory, we can have great exaltation in this world without Jesus. But the surpassing, deep, beautiful depth of joy that we can experience when we know Jesus is like the difference from going from enjoying something that's dead, like a cicada shell that's not actually even alive, to the actual real thing, a living breathing cicada that can fly around the room and wheel over your bed and sing away in your, in your bedroom. Here in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul makes this stark contrast of what it is to be a human being before we are spiritual and then after we are spiritual. Of course, he says that the difference between someone who's spiritual and not spiritual is like the difference between being alive and being dead. And Paul is making a point here that even though we are alive physically, if we don't know Christ, He's saying that we are not yet spiritual. Until we actually meet Jesus and put our faith in him, we, are, we, we, are, we can't be regenerate and come alive spiritually until we meet Christ. And so let's have a look at that together and unpack that a little bit uh, for ourselves today. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, and the spirit that now is work in those that are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its sinful desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by very nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Now, that beautiful reality has packed a whole heap of ideas into just a few sentences. This weekend, we're celebrating the ruling of Jesus. Last weekend, we looked at 
uh, the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. And this weekend, we're actually looking at the fact that after he rose from the dead and he showed himself to his disciples, he ascended into heaven. And as he told his disciples, he is now ruling in heaven at the right hand side of the Father. And on Friday night at our gathering, we started to think about this idea of Jesus ruling by starting off going back into the Old Testament, 740 years before Jesus would uh, do that uh, tremendous work on the cross to, to save us from our sins. Isaiah prophesied that that time was coming. But what Isaiah does is he gives us this wonderful vision of heaven. In Isaiah chapter 6, he gets a vision of heaven and he goes into the throne room of heaven and he sees God seated on his throne. And his vision of God on the throne is of God in huge beauty and splendor, the most amazing, beautiful um, vision that he could ever imagine. And around the throne of God are these angelic creatures, including these seraphim. And these seraphim are singing the praises of God. And Isaiah makes the point in Isaiah chapter 6 that God is so huge and vast that just the train of his cloak fills the whole of the temple in Jerusalem. And the singing of the seraphim is so awesome that it shakes the foundations and the pillars of the temple. Now, Isaiah's response to that grandeur is to consider himself in contrast to his great God that he witnesses in this vision. And he makes this astounding claim that he is a man of unclean lips who lives amongst a people of unclean lips. What Isaiah is aware of is that God is God and we are not. And when he's struck with this vision of God, he realises that although God has called the people of Israel to be his people and they are to be his people and he is to be their God, they have not fulfilled their end of uh, the, the partnership there, of the covenant that God made with them. The people of Israel in chapters 1 to 5 in Isaiah have been described as an idolatrous people who've run off to idol worship and sinful behaviour that has actually made God incredibly angry. And Isaiah is struck that he is a part of the problems in this world, not just a victim of sin or a victim of suffering, or he's not just someone who is watching other people who are doing wrong things. He doesn't compare himself to others as in, oh, well, that person's worse than I am as a sinner. He actually is struck by the fact that he contributes to the sin and, and the pain in this world. And he calls himself a person of unclean lips. Now, one of the angelic creatures in the vision goes to the altar and with some tongs takes out a burning coal from the altar in heaven and does this remarkably interesting, strange thing. The angel takes the coal and touches Isaiah's lips with the coal. And it's a cleansing ceremony. The seraphim, the creature, the angelic creature, is giving Isaiah a symbolic metaphor to say that he can be purified from his unclean lips. His unclean lips can be actually changed by God. Now, in the Saturday night service, when we reflected on this, we jumped from Isaiah chapter 6 all the way forward to the very end of the Bible. And in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, we again are brought into the throne room of God and we get a glimpse into heaven. But this time we are brought in there by John who has a vision of heaven. So just like Isaiah, John sees the throne of God. Just like Isaiah, John sees the angelic host around the throne. But added to the vision of Isaiah is that John actually also sees the Lamb of God who looks as though he had been slain, who is also seated on the throne next to God. And as a result, John looks around and sees that not only are there angelic uh, creatures present in heaven around the throne of God, 
with the same beautiful language that Isaiah tries to capture, the greatness of that experience. John talks about this beautiful experience, almost like there's a rainbow around the throne, that there's almost like a sea of glass around the frame of crystal it's just he uses all these really beautiful words to try and describe the beauty and the glory of God but as he looks at God and then goes out a bit further and sees the angelic host and he goes out a bit further again he looks around and there surrounding the throne are the people who've been saved by that lamb by Jesus who has been like a lamb who was sacrificed for sin who died on the cross and rose from the dead to pay for the sin of the world all of those who have put their faith in Jesus are also around the throne of God. And John adds to the vision of Isaiah by showing us the multitude of those who were saved. Now in Revelation, John describes that multitude as though they were washed white by the blood of the Lamb. In chapter 7, he actually says that it's like they've been cleaned from um, the sacrifice of Jesus. They've literally been cleaned. And again, that's another symbol of cleansing, just like the seraphim's coal cleansed Isaiah's lips. So now we're seeing that the blood of Jesus cleanses those who put their faith in Jesus from their sin. And now the response of those who are around the throne is the same as the response of the angelic host in Isaiah 6. In Revelation 4 and 5, those who are surrounding the throne of God who have been saved by Jesus, been brought alive, sing. They sing more beautifully than any cicada song. But just like the cicada sings out of the joy of life and sings as they fly around in the Australian bush. So when we stand before the throne of God and we are met with the grandeur and the beauty and the holiness of God, so we will realise that the difference in our life between the time before we knew Jesus and the time after we knew Jesus is literally life and death. But more than that, it's more than just an experience. Even though we are alive, we are dead spiritually unless we've actually been forgiven for our sin. Because here in the passage, what we described as in verse 2 is before we knew Jesus, we did follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. In other words, the devil or the Satan who opposes God is described as the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And the idea here in chapter 2 is that before we followed Jesus, we did follow the ways of the rebellious Satan. In verse 3, it says that no one escapes that reality, that all of us lived amongst them at one time. And the evidence of that, if you're wondering, is that the evidence of the fact that we did not understand the difference between life and death was that we used to gratify the cravings of our flesh and follow the desires and the thoughts of our sinful nature. Paul elsewhere talks about the fact that this is almost like a sort of slavery that before we are born again and become spiritual people, it's as though we can't stop gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and its thoughts. It's almost like we're victims of our own bodily nature, that we, we just can't stop the sinful behaviour that we are finding so natural. And because of the things that we do that are selfish, we hurt other people. Because of the sinful rebelling against God we don't live for other people and look after other people we always put ourselves first and we end up doing things that are selfish and wrong and sinful and as a result we are deserving of wrath from the things that we've done that have hurt others in verse 4 though but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sin it is by grace that you've been saved 
So when we come to understand that Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to die on the cross for our sin, when we put our faith in him and we turn from our sin and repent of the rebellion that we've had against God and ask Jesus to forgive us, we recognise that Jesus died on the cross for the things that we've done that are wrong. We can actually say to God that we're sorry and ask for Jesus' death on the cross to pay for our sin. And as a result, we gain a new status. We go from being spiritually dead to being alive. Now, just like a dead person can't bring themselves back to life, we can't achieve this transformation by ourselves. We are completely dependent on God to do this for us. And that's what Paul goes on to talk about in verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It's fundamental to the Christian faith to understand that God raises us up as dead, walking dead, really. Like we, we're just cicada shells. We leave our wings on the ground. There's, there's just not that dynamic spiritual life in us. We can't generate that in ourselves. Because of our sin and our rebellion, we're actually completely dependent on what God is going to do for us to help us in this situation. And so Jesus' death and resurrection is the work that is needed to take away our sin so that we can actually become spiritually alive. Now, when Jesus goes up into heaven and he ascends into heaven after he's revealed himself to his disciples, he had said to them before that, go and wait in Jerusalem because even though I am going to go back to heaven and I'm going to be seated in heaven, I'm going to be ruling on the throne, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He promised his disciples that he would leave the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, to be with them. And at Pentecost in Acts, we see that the disciples did what they were asked to do. They stayed in Jerusalem and they waited. And then at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down on them in tongues of fire and in a great wind. And they actually all individually received the Holy Spirit. And so the glory of God is now living in the midst of his people. And so it's... It's that transformation that takes place in the Christian that when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit and we're giving, we've been given a completely new spiritual nature. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul unpacks that again by saying that our sinful nature is still present in us because we're still human beings on this earth, but we now also have a spiritual nature. And it's that new spiritual nature that Paul is celebrating here in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, interestingly, when God wants to show his power to Satan, the one who's described as the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, when God wants to show Satan his power, he doesn't point him to the planets and say, look what I've created, the solar system around the earth, or, or look at the, 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 the whole solar system, or look at the universe of stars. If God wants to show his power, he doesn't point Satan and say, look at the intricacy of a cicada wing. Look how delicate and beautiful that is how how powerful is god that he can create a cicada in its beautiful delicate frame and at the same time also create these huge celestial objects that are so vastly beyond our experience we can't even imagine how many of them there are he doesn't point to all these great works of creation when he holds up his power to satan what he does hold up is the church when he wants to show his power to satan he takes the fallen human beings, the walking dead, those who are not spiritual, those who are dead in their transgressions, and he brings them alive. 
the new life we have as Christians is what God chooses to use to show his power. In verse 7, in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. That's his power at work. Now, this is not our work. It is his work. In verse 8, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that nobody can boast. God's power is that he can still bring us alive today. He still brings people to himself today. And he continues to rule in the midst of all of the challenges that we have in this world where we suffer all kinds of things. Jesus is still bringing people to himself and bringing alive human beings. That is his work. So what is our work? If God's work is to bring us alive and to work through us, in verse 10, we see that we can participate and partner with God as he is working through us. For we are God's handiwork. See there again? We are God's handiwork. He has made us into spiritual beings. He's brought us alive through Christ Jesus. Here, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The exciting thing is that when you see a cicada come out of the ground and go and attach itself to a tree, and then actually, if you ever have the, the beautiful opportunity to see a cicada actually come out of its, its chrysalis or whatever they call those things, its shell, if you like, I have had an opportunity to see that once. I was on a bushwalk once and I actually not only got to see the cicada on the side of a tree or a cicada flying around, I got to see the transformation. And the beautiful moment where that, the back of the, the, the shell cracks open and these, these wet wings start to come out of the back of this creature and then the creature extricates itself from its shell and then it sits there in, in a moment of vulnerability as the sun dries its wings. And as those soft wings stretch out and harden, all of a sudden, the cicada, tentatively at first, but then confidently, sets to flight. And as it does, it sings in joy. Can you imagine the experience of a cicada who has lived for seven years in the darkness, maybe bumping into other cicadas going, have you heard that rumour that there is a life beyond the underground? Have you heard, heard that rumour that there is, there is more to life than darkness and dank soil and drinking sap out of the tree roots? Now, some cicadas might have laughed at that cicada and gone, oh, you're kidding me, aren't you? You're not one of those cicadas that believes in above ground reality, are you? Well, imagine the cicada when one day, for some unknown reason, it just had this feeling of digging upwards instead of digging down all the time. Instead of looking for its satisfaction deeper in the dark soil, it felt a draw to go up. And as it came up and it found itself on the side of a tree, and it cracked open out of its chrysalis and for the first time its eyes saw the sun and it saw the light and it felt its wings firm and hardened and then it flew. What a complete opposite experience to digging around in the soil, flying in the sky. Of course the cicada is going to sing. Of course the cicada is going to embrace that new nature and actually dive into that new nature and fly around and sing and we on the people who are bush walking underneath it. That's what cicadas do. And just like that, a Christian is like a human being who believes in something else, who's been drawn to dig up instead of to dig down. And then when they've discovered their new nature that's been gifted to them, the idea in verse 10 is that we embrace it, that we live it. And 
that we don't keep being drawn back into the soil to try and live our pre-salvation pre, pre nature, that we actually live in this new spiritual nature. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. My question for us is, how do we do good works now when we're in this situation? We know that our Lord Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in heaven and we've been raised up and dignified beyond what we should normally be. We've been dignified with a new spiritual nature that's been gifted to us because of what Christ has done to us. And we, if you like, have been raised up into the heavenlies with Christ to rule with him. And his rule is a rule of love. And if we are going to fly as Christians around in this new reality and embrace this new nature that we have, we are to learn from Christ how to love others and how to put other people before ourselves. And it doesn't matter if you're in the four walls of your own house or whether you're on a train going to work or whether you're down the beach or whether you can move around freely or you can't actually move anywhere, we can all still love. My encouragement to us today is how can you find new ways to love today? How can you pray for and care for people and embrace this spiritual nature you have as a Christian? Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose anyone you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixon.